Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Come on in here and get comfortable with me, everybody. You're listening to The Last Symptom by Brian Barnett. Happy Thursday. It's a real treat to get to do this with you every week, and uh, I hope that since the last time we talked, life has been treating you fairly. If not good, at least fairly. We have a really important discussion to get into today that's going to cover some pretty powerful matters involving emotional health, and it also involves the actor, Will Smith. How many emotionally unhealthy people do you reckon there are out there in the world so if you're thinking about the population of planet earth and you're just kind of taking a wild guess would you guess that there are more unhealthy people or more healthy people as you've been listening and following along with us here at the last symptom have you you know and depending on where you're at in your learning have you begun to uh, make observations when you're out in the world trying to catch different moments when people are demonstrating obvious emotional unhealth or emotional disorder even do you make these sorts of observations do you do you go about and try to spot people who are obviously emotionally unhealthy? Why, why do we do this? Why is this an exercise that I encourage? Uh, why do I do it personally? Well, it's not an exercise in judgmentally observing people. You know, that's, that's something I think I need to stress. It is not an exercise in judgmentally or critically observing people just for the sake of being critical and judgmental. I don't see, for example, I don't go to the Piggly Wiggly or to the Walmart and see some woman interacting unhealthily with her children and stand there in judgment of her. You know, very critical judgments, making very these very critical judgments on her. That That ain't my purpose for observing the unhealthy world around me. You know, those of you who have been following me for a while, that one of the fundamental teachings of the last symptom is that to be healthy, one must escape this type of outward focus and judgment. So when we're unhealthy, 
our natural tendency is to look outward for everything. We look outward for everything. Outward for answers. Outward for saving, right? We want somebody else to do the work for us and save us. Outward for worth, right? All of our worth must come from these external things. Outward for things to blame, right? Well, it's not my fault. It's, it's, he made me feel that way, and so I reacted the way I did. Outward for who isn't living the way that we approve of, living in ways that we approve of, living in ways that we think is best. Outward for who should be doing such and such. Outward for purpose, right? There's no purpose to life. We need it to be granted to us. Outward, outward, outward. That is the the unhealthy, uh, what would you call it? Uh, default. It's the unhealthy default. This is the type of judgmental or critical type of observing that the last symptom says that I say through my work with the last symptom that you have to escape the answers aren't out there the answers are not out there for what you need to do you have to identify that you have that tendency that you are doing that that you're looking outward and you have to understand why you you're doing that when you're unhealthy you're doing it because it allows you to avoid looking inward. That's why unhealthy people do it. We look outward critically and judgmentally at other people, what they should be doing, what they're not doing, what they made us do, and, and these sorts of things. Who, who should be saving us? Because by doing this, it allows us to never look inward, never identify the things we need to identify address, fix, and continue working on sometimes. So that's a, it's a pillar of the last symptom is that people must do that when they're trying to escape emotional unhealth and go to healthy living. They have to identify it, accept it, that, accept that that's, that's what they're doing, and that it's not constructive, recognize why it ain't healthy, and give it up. Instead, any time you get the hankering for this type of judgmental observing, you must turn your attention inward. Never outward in this way, but inward. Because it's only inward where we can find answers or change things that we have any control to change. Solutions, fixable problems, inward. The type of worth that only can fulfill us and make us healthy and so forth, right? It's all inward. It's not It's not out there. You focusing on what your wife is doing or not doing, what she should be doing or she shouldn't be doing, that doesn't address your problems. And it, you can't address your wife's problems for her, so you see how that, that type of focus, that outward type of focus, is a complete waste of time. The only person can, that can identify and address those things that your wife's dealing with is your wife. The only person who can identify and address the things you're dealing with is you, and you are you. So 
that's the only place that makes sense for your attention to be because it's the only thing that once you do identify problems there you can fix so the type of observation of the world that I'm talking about ain't the judgmental critical kind instead I'm talking about the healthy beneficial type of observing to clearly identify unhealthy people and different unhealthy aspects of life and the purpose of doing this is really to study what separates the healthy from the unhealthy to observe others who are so far off the mark and the natural consequences the natural negative consequences that they are suffering because of this do you see how that's beneficial when you look out at the world and you see people be first of all with unhealthy attitudes and because they have unhealthy attitudes they naturally behave and approach life unhealthily and you observe it and you observe the frustration and the pain in their life the the disorder in their life as a direct result of it do you see how that's beneficial because you say whoa that's uh that's nothing i want to get tangled up in i don't want anything to do with that if i'm already dealing with that i want to escape it if i can see the relationship between their attitudes their behaviors and the negative consequences then that helps me avoid those attitudes those behaviors those consequences i can see in their example what they're doing wrong then i can avoid that myself see it helps us not only avoid falling into those things ourselves but it also helps us to appreciate to truly appreciate just how important good emotional health is and how it's worth every sacrifice it really is worth every sacrifice to get healthy and then to maintain healthy healthiness I should say when we see the people out there doing really harebrained unhealthy things and suffering for it do you see how that helps us to appreciate the emotional health that we are enjoying to being committed to remaining emotionally healthy and uh, at least it enforces in our minds that escaping that disorder and that disharmony with life is is worth the effort that we're either putting into it or we're you know, working toward observing others causing their own misery while not under this is the interesting thing the observations i make out in the world when i see unhealthy people and i see that the the, the misery that they're suffering because of it even if it's just a bunch of disobedient brats as who are their kids right their unhealthy form of parenting has created this these hellions of children and so imagine their home life if they're screaming at each other and acting crazy in walmart or in the piggly wiggly can you imagine what it's like in their behind the walls of their private home it's got to be miserable so that's the type of misery i'm talking about and then you observe these folks and you observe how their own attitudes their own attitudes behaviors approach to life is creating their own misery 
Nobody else is bringing this misery upon them. It's them. They're doing it to themselves. And they don't even understand that. They don't understand that they themselves are creating their own misery. Why don't they understand it? Because they've been taught to look outward. Everybody else, everything else, is creating their misery. And a lot of the misery that they're experiencing, they don't even identify as misery. That is uh, something you could sit around thinking about for a while. Their own misery that they are experiencing, they don't even know, they don't even uh, recognize it. So they're experiencing the misery, but they don't recognize it as misery. Why? Because they've never known anything else. Even in their best days, in their best weeks, they're still miserable. And they don't know it. Now here's the most important part of this. This part of our discussion. When I'm making observations on people, unhealthy people, I'm trying to identify. Okay, there I see some people there at the store displaying unhealthy tendencies, attitudes, so on and so forth. What is it that I'm trying to determine? Am I just observing these people just for the sake of observing them? Well, no, we're trying to learn from, from their example what not to do. But are we just looking at them and saying, they Lord, they're so unhealthy. I don't want to be unhealthy like that. Well, no, there's more to it than that. My objective, and hopefully your objective, if you're also doing, you know, involved in this um, exercise regularly when you go out into public or when you're on the internet or whatever, hopefully your objective, just like my objective, is to observe these things and then draw obvious conclusions about what? When I'm observing some health, unhealthy people in public, non-critically, non-judgmentally, what am I trying to draw obvious conclusions about? Okay. Do you know? The objective is to observe and draw conclusions, obvious conclusions, about attitudes. It's attitudes. So I'm not just observing the mom in the Piggly Wiggly, struggling with her kids and seeing all the mistakes she's making in parenting and stuff like that. I'm observing and I'm drawing obvious conclusions about her attitudes. What attitudes does she live with? Flawed, distorted, unhealthy attitudes about life, about feelings, about parenting. Am I observing? What what is all of this telling me about her underlying attitudes? And why are underlying attitudes so important? Because that's where everything comes from. We're observing and trying to draw obvious conclusions about what attitudes that that person is living with that explains these behaviors, thinking, reactions, and so forth. Because 
Remember, what is at the very root of emotional disorders and emotional unhealth? It's not the common lies that almost everybody else out there would have you believe. It ain't trauma. It ain't the, the lie of trauma. It ain't the lie of genetics. It's attitudes. Attitudes. You see, parental attitudes cause the damage in children. The children learn from and adopt those same attitudes themselves. And what's, what does this cause? This causes the children to develop an emotional disorder. So the children grow up. They have their own children. They parent with these same unhealthy attitudes. Then what happens? Well, it causes emotional damage in their own children who, in turn, learn from and adopt these same attitudes themselves. And around and around and around we go. The reason why I asked your opinion at the beginning about how many emotionally unhealthy people you reckon there are in the world is because this week, if you've been an insightful observer, you've gotten some really good indicators to the heart of this question and just how many unhealthy people in the world there really are. It's uh, disturbing, I'll tell you that. It is disturbing. The actor, Will Smith, over this past weekend, just like you, probably, I have always been a, a fan of Will Smith. He's a very charming guy. I've always held him in high esteem. He's likable. I haven't liked all of his movies, but as far as the man himself, I, I've always held him in high esteem. But over this past weekend, Will Smith, the actor, made international headlines by showing all insightful people in the world who are in the know just how shockingly and disgustingly unhealthy he is. It's completely altered my perception of him for ever. It doesn't always have to be a negative perception from here on out. He can change that if he does the work and demonstrates, you know, the things that he needs to demonstrate. But for right now, I'm just, I'm totally disgusted with him. I, I won't watch, I, pro I probably will never watch another movie of his again, to be honest with you. There aren't too many people who love movies as much as I do. It has always been this really beloved aspect of life for me. I really enjoy movies, and yet I haven't watched the uh, the Oscars, you know, the Academy Awards, in ages. The Academy lost all credibility with me years ago. It's so contrived. Once I realized that their method for choosing best actor, choosing best movie, and stuff like that had devolved from who was most qualified to this some sort of statement that they're trying to make or you know what they're doing is they're weighing okay uh, this year an Asian should win next year a, per, a person of color should win 
next year it should be it should be a movie that talks about I don't know talks about Wall Street uh, next year it should be a movie that addresses this topic you see it it's lost all credibility it's no longer about who put their heart and soul into creating the best film now it's about what statement the people voting on these things want to make so once you go there then the the whole thing loses credibility it has no credibility but anyway I'm getting off on tangent there even though I don't watch the Oscars the Academy Awards the other night I was busy working on last symptom stuff when a news notice come across my phone and it was so shocking I mean literally I was sitting right here where you're watching me if you're watching the video of this show I was sitting right here and I I looked over I saw that a notice had come up on my phone and it, it stopped me in what I was doing it was so shocking to me that I immediately began investigating to get more details about this so in case you've been living in a cave out in the Amazon rainforest somewhere let me sum up for you what happened Will Smith the until now beloved actor who's been in movies like Men in Black Independence Day and so forth was attending the biggest award show in the world one of the presenters a comedian by the name of Chris Rock who also is beloved I can't think of anybody who doesn't like Chris Rock he there are, I'm sure there are people out there just like there's people out there who have opinions about all the shades of the rainbow but uh, by far and large he is a beloved comedian Chris Rock come out he was a presenter he come out to tell some jokes which is his job as a comedian and uh, present the next segment of the Oscars or the Academy Awards in the course of doing his job Chris Rock told what I I interpreted now this is a matter of interpretation all right this is a I'm not going to be dogmatic about this but this is my take on this I thought it was a very mild joke it was not a you know I'll let you be the your own judge about that but it was it was a joke that Chris Rock told related to Will Smith's wife's short hair and it was it was like here and gone it was a really mild mild joke not everybody found it funny but that's not the point what I'm saying is that the joke itself was not obscene or anything like that so it was at that point that Will Smith the once upon a time beloved actor laughed at the joke yes at first when Chris Rock told the joke Will Smith is seen in his seat laughing without a care in the world he's not upset he's laughing and going along with things in good humor then Will Smith looks over and sees that his wife is rolling her eyes at the joke 
That's when Will Smith, knowing that millions of people are watching, millions of families, I should say, he knows that he is sitting there in the front of this auditorium as kind of a guest of honor because everybody's expecting him to win an award later on that night. He sees his wife roll her eyes. He stops laughing. And now knowing that this is one of the biggest events of the year, the biggest formal events of the year, he's surrounded by people of high esteem in his industry. Highfalutin people, people of class. Knowing that he's on the world stage gets up out of his chair walks up onto the stage that he has not been invited to come up on he walks up to Chris Rock cameras rolling the world watching Chris Rock is laughing Chris Rock seems to think Will Smith is coming up to give him a hug or something. He really does. He he sort of he's laughing like in good humor, and but you're wondering like what what's going to happen here. He he kind of even leans forward like he's going to get a I don't know a, a joke in response to his joke or a hug or something like that from Will Smith. He really seems to think Will Smith is coming up to give him a hug or something. So I want you to imagine this. Chris Rock is is there on the stage. Now he also is fully aware that the whole world is watching. He's laughing, everybody else is laughing. Will Smith who was just laughing just a second ago and still has a smile on his face. I should I should point out but the smile now is not a smile, it is a smirk. So Chris Rock is also doing his job exactly how he's supposed to do it, exactly how comedians work, knowing that the whole world is watching. And he might even be thinking, wow, there's a really special moment about to happen here between me and Will Smith. So Chris Rock is really watching this this thing unfold with Will Smith walking up to him, laughing playfully in good faith, and in good humor because he has no reason to suspect anything otherwise how many comedians have been doing these award shows for how many years since movies were invented since the Oscars were invented Chris Rock has performed his duty exactly as a million comedians before him so he he has no reason to suspect that that he is about to be the victim of any type of violence whatsoever. He's watching Will Smith approaching good humor again because he has no reason whatsoever to suspect anything otherwise. And it's in this state of trusting vulnerability and in you know Chris Rock in front of a million millions of people, millions of families and children it's in this state of trusting vulnerability that Will Smith without saying anything and by complete surprise with force 
open hand slaps Chris Rock hard enough across the face that the blow can be heard throughout the auditorium. I couldn't believe it. I got sick to my stomach when I saw it. I couldn't believe it. Will Smith does this on international television, fully aware that there are millions of people, not just people, but families with their children watching this. Then, do you know what he does? Will Smith turns around. He turns his back on Chris Rock after just having physically violated him, turns his back on him, and with a gigantic smirk of self-satisfaction on his face, proudly saunters back to his seat. Do you know why he can casually saunter back to his seat? The only reason he can do this is because he knows that it will take Chris Rock a good while to process what's just happened, and that even once he does process it, it'll be very difficult for Chris Rock to do anything about it, because he's standing on the stage in front of many millions of people, not just people, but families with their children. So Will Smith has just committed physical assault and battery, a crime, a a jailable crime, in front of millions of families and their children. But now he has exploited a, a man in a helpless situation twice in order to do it. And he's walked back to his seat, ashamed of himself like uh, any healthy person would be. After you've exp- It's like shooting a man in the back is what it's like. It's like an old gunslinger shooting a man in the back and then being proud of himself for it as if he demonstrated some kind of wonderful uh, finesse or something in this cowardly act. Will Smith commits this obnoxious, cowardly act, exploits a situation in a cowardly way, and then walks, saunters back to his seat casually with a smirk of satisfaction on his face. You can see this smirk, this disgusting smirk of satisfaction on Will Smith's face in almost every picture that you will find on the internet of him right after he has smacked Chris Rock. Now, So now Smith gets back to his seat and Chris Rock, who again is fully aware that there are millions of people with their children watching this, is understandably struggling to process this, to know what to say or even how to continue. And in, it's in this state of trying to maintain his composure, you know, maintain an air of dignity, and at the same time search for the right things to say, that Will Smith goes at him again, but, but this time by screaming, obscenities at the top of his lungs from his seat while the hundreds of supposedly high-class refined members in attendance watch on and while 
literally millions and millions and millions and millions of people around the world watch from their homes. So Chris Rock, a seasoned stand-up comedian, is then forced to just do his best to say some things while still in a state of shock and then get off the stage. This is not the most disgusting aspect of this story, though. The most disgusting aspect of this story is what happened afterwards. And there's not just one thing. There are several things. It's since come out in the news that Will Smith was actually approached after this uh, this crime that he committed, this obnoxious physical assault. He was approached and asked to leave the theater. Do you think he felt any remorse? Do you think Will Smith, after having just assumed the right to smack a guy in the face in front of millions and millions and millions of families and children do you think that he felt enough remorse to say yeah I probably should leave no no he did not he refused to leave he refused to leave now remember what I said it is that we're trying to draw obvious conclusions about you know it's very easy to get lost in the shocking details of each of these things but our purpose is not just for the sake of feeling outrage the real purpose here is to draw obvious conclusions remember about what sorts of attitudes this necessarily has to mean that Will Smith lives with and is walking around with so we're looking at each of these things and we go this is not just something that he woke up today and says well I'm going to do this is a reflection of his attitudes the attitudes that this man really lives with have you heard of my law of genuine attitude reflection I highlighted it in a an orange slice again this week orange slices are just uh, condensed video insights that uh, are taken right from this show in little bite-sized portions but <clears throat> I highlighted the law of genuine attitude reflection in an orange slice just this week it was orange slice number 184 so if you haven't seen that little brief video but would like to you can see it on locals remember the group I was telling you about earlier the, our online community or subscribe to the last symptom YouTube or rumble channel it's also available there basically the law of genuine attitude reflection says that it is impossible for us as human beings to naturally behave in ways toward things that contradicts our true underlying attitude about those things so it's a mirror it really is a mirror our behaviors and our approach to life are a perfect mirror for the true underlying attitudes we live with always you observe one's behaviors and interactions with the world and you can draw accurate obvious conclusions about the very real attitudes that they live with 
if I naturally do everything I can to avoid dogs, let's say, this is a perfect mirror for the nature of what my true underlying attitude is toward dogs. It's impossible for the two things to contradict each other. So if I absolutely love dogs and I think they're the greatest thing in the world and I just love them to death, it's impossible for you to see me naturally in my natural behaviors trying to avoid dogs at all costs. You see, that's contradictory. If my true attitude is that dogs are just the best thing in the world and I love them, then what you will naturally see in my behaviors and my approach to life is not an avoidance of dogs. No, you would see the exact opposite. I'll actually go out of my way to interact and mingle with dogs, to own dogs and those sorts of things. So what obvious conclusions can you draw about the attitude that Will Smith lives with from the fact that he got on a stage that first of all he was not invited to I want to ask you have you ever gone to a play have you ever gone to like a Broadway play or anything like that you're you're just in the audience and the, the actors all come out they all start doing their thing now I want you to think about the gall the absolute gall and arrogance it would take for you to say well I'm as welcome up I'm as welcome on that stage as any of they are, as any of them are and for you to get up out of your seat in the audience and to just go up on the stage how do you think that would go over likewise let's say that you're uh, you're attending a a stand-up comedian so you you're having a dinner and you're there you're watching a uh, stand-up comedy they're supposed to be on the stage right they have the right to be on the stage they've been invited to the stage so think about you sitting there enjoying your supper watching the performer up on the stage and you thinking I'm just going to go up there why not why not me just go up there you say well Will Smith's this big famous uh, movie star he's a movie star but he's a person first and he knows how who knows better than Will Smith about how show business works he knows that the stage is for the performer who is scheduled to be on the stage at that moment just the same as you and I know that so what obvious conclusions can you draw about the attitude that Will Smith lives with from the fact that he looked at that stage and said I can I can walk right up on that stage I haven't been invited onto the stage. It's not my turn on the stage. It's his turn on the stage, but I'm going to walk up there anyway. During a live show, it's worse than if you and I did it. It's worse than if you and I did it. Forget that he's a celebrity. If you and I do it in a stand-up club, there are not millions and millions and millions of people with their families and children watching so Will Smith did this knowing that the world was watching and he said to himself it's okay anyway I'm entitled anyway so what can you draw what obvious conclusions about his attitude the attitude that he really lives with can you draw about him 
getting up on a stage that he's not invited to be on during a live show, criminally committing assault and battery in front of millions of families with children, and then sauntering back to his seat casually like he don't have a care in the world. And then when he is justifiably asked to leave, he refuses. What, what, what obvious conclusions can you draw about that attitude? Do you think he lives with the attitude that he is not entitled to whatever he wants? Do you think he lives with the attitude that he is entitled to whatever he wants? Which one makes more sense? If you're just an observer and you go, huh, I wonder what attitude Will Smith lives with. He's a humble person who does not feel entitled to whatever he wants. Or, or does the, is this evidence of something else, a different type of attitude, the type of attitude that says that I am entitled to do whatever I want to do. Do you think that he lives with the attitude that the world exists for everybody and that nobody is better than anybody else? Or do you think that he lives with the attitude that the world exists for him first and foremost? And that everybody else is just characters in it that exist for him. Which one matches the evidence? Which one better matches the evidence? Well, I'll let you chew over that using the law of genuine attitude reflection as your guide. And those are just a couple of the questions that, you know, I, I come up with off the top of my head that you could ask in your analysis. There's no way on earth that, and this I, this show is going to go over so much already, be, just because of the nature of it. There's just too much to draw from this, but I'm helping you get started. Incredibly, even after all that we've already described, the most disgusting part of the night had not even happened yet. Do you know what the most disgusting part of the whole night was? It was when they went ahead and presented Will Smith with a Best Actor Award, just shortly after he had done all these things, and in spite of doing all these things. And then the whole auditorium gave him a standing ovation. Yeah, that really happened. They gave this same man an award and then all of Hollywood in attendance to witness all these shocking, disturbing things with their own eyes, then applauded this very same man and gave him a standing ovation. You see, this Will Smith thing doesn't only reveal to us how emotionally unhealthy Will Smith is. It reveals to us how unhealthy his entire family is. Yes. This is not happening in just Will Smith's head. This this is an attitude that his entire family lives with. I guarantee it. His entire family, the children, the wife, all of them, all live in a reality, a fake reality, where this is acceptable and makes sense. So it's not just Will Smith. It re, Will Smith, 
is simply revealing to us his emotional unhealth, his family's emotional unhealth, and what else? The emotional unhealth of everybody else out there who is defending him, celebrating him, supporting him. When I say the whole thing is disgusting, this isn't an opinion. How can I say that me saying that this whole thing is disgusting is not an opinion? It's not an opinion because it the whole thing flies in the very face of the fundamental laws and principles of emotional health. The fundamental laws and principles that guide and maintain emotional health throughout the universe. To say the whole thing is disgusting is not an opinion. There are only two sides of this to be on. There's the healthy side that recognizes that it was an absolute affront to the very fundamental laws and principles guiding emotional health and reflecting healthy underlying attitudes. And then there's everybody else. That's it. There's the healthy and there's the unhealthy. That's it. That's all. There are healthy people who are outraged and there are unhealthy people who are not outraged or who are making excuses for it or supporting him or who are celebrating him or who are trying to say, well, it's nuanced and stuff like that. So when you're browsing social media and you come across the people defending Will Smith, those are the unhealthy. That's They're in the unhealthy crowd, period. We're going to talk about why this can only be a reflection of their state of unhealth here in a little bit. But if you want an easy way to identify healthy people from unhealthy people, look at those who are outright condemning Will Smith. That's the healthy crowd. That's the healthy crowd. And then look at the crowd who wants to lighten, excuse, or completely take Will Smith's side. That is the unhealthy crowd. They will argue with you about it. They're wrong. Because the unhealthy crowd, unhealthy people don't know they're unhealthy. If they did, they would try to get healthy. Unhealthy people don't know they're unhealthy. And their ways of looking at the world and of interpreting things is such because they know nothing else. Of course, it makes perfect sense to them that Will Smith would go up and do that. They know nothing else. They don't know how obnoxious their form of thinking is. I have to include the following detail, not because it's relevant to anything whatsoever, but because it forms the foundation of unhealthy Will Smith's argument, and it forms the uh, foundation for all the unhealthy people taking his side. So it's this. Will Smith's wife has alopecia. It's a medical disorder that causes hair to fall out. So all the unhealthy people say that that this is relevant. First of all, they say that this is relevant. You don't make fun of somebody's a condition that somebody can't control. That's a that's a rule within comedy. It's still irrelevant. So they say that because of this and because Chris Rock's joke was insensitive and it was an attack on a member of Will Smith's family that Will Smith was a, uh, justified in physically in physically assaulting Chris Rock. <clears throat> They'll say things like if I were Will Smith I'd have done the same thing. You see, 
They're presenting the situation as if this were an act of nobility or honor and bravery and all of these sorts of things. What's wrong with their argument? What is the fundamental issue here that we can see, you and me, that they can't see? In other words, what extremely dangerous fault in their attitudes and perspectives is their argument here laying bare about how they view the world? Let me share a few little insights with you about some of the fundamental differences between emotionally healthy people and emotionally unhealthy people. And you'll begin to understand the fundamental difference, distinguishing the two groups of people, and hopefully you'll begin to see why any, any attempt to excuse what Will Smith did falls flat. It has no basis in anything. Here, here's the fundamental here's one fundamental difference distinguishing healthy people from unhealthy people emotionally unhealthy you might want to write this down this is good emotionally unhealthy people are not able to distinguish between their intangible feelings and physical tangible reality now just think about that for a moment Emotionally unhealthy people are not able to distinguish between what they intangibly feel and physical reality. To to them, both things are equal. Think about that. What does it mean in real life practical terms that unhealthy people can't distinguish between what they intangibly feel and physical reality. Once I tell you and you see it, you won't ever be able to unsee it. You'll start to begin being able to separate unhealthy people from healthy people real easily when when you observe the world after this. So in real life practical terms, that unhealthy people can't distinguish between what they intangibly feel and physical reality outside of them is this if an unhealthy person intangibly feels like they're being attacked like there is an attack they only feel that way inside of them to them there is no distinction whatsoever than if they really are being physically attacked in real life. Physically attacked. Outside of themselves. In the real physical world. They can't tell the difference between the two things. You see what I'm saying? Isn't that incredible to think about? And doesn't it explain so much? Even if they weren't physically attacked, they can't tell the difference. For them to feel attacked, just to feel it, even if it's not happening in reality, to just feel it, to feel like they're being attacked, is the same thing from their perspective as actually being physically attacked for real. They make no distinction between the two things whatsoever. Now I want to 
clarify. I'm not saying they're not capable of distinguishing the two things. I'm saying they're not able to because of how stunted they are emotionally. That is really an important point there. I'm not saying that they can't, that they're incapable. I'm saying they're not able currently because they're like little children. They're like two-year-olds. They can't do it because they are stunted so much emotionally speaking they don't have that emotional education we're talking about grown people here walking about the earth with the emotional core of a two-year-old it's scary it's scary because this is the sort of thing it leads to this is the sort of thing it leads to what you're seeing in Will Smith walking up on the stage in front of millions of people and doing that and then getting in a seat, uh, screaming off these obscenities like he has no class whatsoever. Like, it's just unbelievable. Think about a two-year-old, how a two-year-old would react when his feelings are out of control. That's Will Smith. Emotionally unhealthy people cannot distinguish the difference between the intangible feelings inside of them and the tangible physical world outside of them so if they feel like they're being attacked to them there's no difference between that and if somebody is uh, attacking them with a knife from their unhealthy false perspective a physical response a physical response is just as justified when they merely feel attacked as it is when they are actually being physically attacked for real. Do you see that? Will Smith felt his wife was being attacked. He didn't even feel it on his own. He looked over at her and she was rolling her eyes and he says, oh, she's feeling physically attacked. And because Will Smith and, and his entire family is utterly ignorant about the true nature of feelings from his false, unhealthy point of view, he views himself just as justified in going up and physically, physically attacking somebody as a response. Just as he would be if his wife had been physically assaulted. So, she feels uh, assaulted. But it's only emotional. It's only emotional. He observes that she feels it he reacts as if it was a, it, it were a physical attack because he can't distinguish the difference and I'm not lying to you folks he can't logically if you sat him down and had a conversation with him he would probably argue yeah, I know the difference but remember the law of genuine attitude reflection did he react like he knows the difference no he didn't he did not return a verbal insult with a verbal response. He returned a verbal, what he what was a verbal insult. It wasn't even an insult. It was a it was a joke told in good humor. But he reacted to the verbal physically, just as you would if you were being physically attacked. So I'm telling you, he he might argue that he knows the difference. He don't. The law of genuine attitude reflection does not lie it's a perfect mirror so Will Smith can't distinguish between his intangible feelings and physical reality he was never taught to do that 
if he feels a thing, then it's no different than if it were truly happening physically in the real world. That is truly what is going on inside of him. But it's not physically happening in the real world. It's only intangibly happening inside of him with his feelings. He can't distinguish the two things. What are the only conditions involving Will Smith's wife that would justify Will Smith, or anybody else for that matter, physically assaulting somebody? What are the only conditions? It would be his wife getting physically assaulted. So if Chris Rock had gotten off the stage and began to physically assault his wife, now Will Smith is justified in physically defending her. But what does he justify? What what justifications does he have when it's only words? So Chris Rock is on stage only telling words, and Will Smith's feelings get bruised. What can he do about that? Justifiably, he can yell back. He can he can heckle. He can scream. He can say, hey, don't talk about my wife. The response to a verbal assault can only be verbal. That's that's how that works. That's the balance. That's the healthy balance. But you can't take feelings, something that is just emotional, interpret it as being physical, as being no different than physical, and react physically. That's not how emotional health works. That is not reflective of a proper, appropriate, correct, accurate, healthy attitude toward feelings. What I feel, I can feel lots of things. Doesn't make it real. And it doesn't justify me in physically acting. We'll talk about that in a little bit more here. You see, healthy people understand this this balance. And I've seen a lot of people who defend Will Smith say things like, well, what, what if somebody's talking that way about your daughter or your wife or your mom? You know what I'd do? I would not punch a person. No matter, no matter how offensive the things were. Because I recognize that these are words. We're on an emotional plane here. We're not out on the physical plane. I can't just punch a person because they haven't physically threatened my daughter. They haven't physically threatened me. We're, we're just talking about things on an emotional plane here. So I could, I'd probably not be happy about it. I'd probably argue back. I'd probably say a few things on my own, get some things off my chest. But really the solution would be for me to leave and even take maybe legal action. But even legal action falls into the category of verbal, not physical. So what? why are people making the argument? So when you're on social media, why are people making the argument like that? Well, you, you, you'd do the same thing. I'd do the same thing. Why are they making that type of argument? Because they're emotionally unhealthy. They can't distinguish between words that they use to make themselves feel things. Feelings, intangible feelings. They can't distinguish between that 
and physical reality. So the only thing that Will Smith has done here by calling these clowns out of the closet is that he has he's um, inflamed them to expose themselves for what they are. They, they are deeply unhealthy, dangerous people. You know, some more dangerous than others. But what I'm saying is that that whole mentality of not being able to distinguish what is just feelings, intangible feelings from physical reality, the inability to do that is inherently dangerous. Because a person who feels insulted, feels slighted, (laughs) and perhaps was not even the intent of the person speaking, then feels perfectly justified in causing physical harm to, to the person who was speaking. And you know, I can interpret a thing any way, any possible way I can interpret it. It doesn't take into account the intent, right? If, if you say something to me in perfectly good faith with no ill intent uh, whatsoever, but I just feel attacked, then me not being able to distinguish my feelings, my intangible feelings from physical reality, do you see why that's so dangerous? In this case, people are arguing that that insult was intended. I don't think it was. Because the whole joke starts off with, Jada, I love you. But, and then he tells his joke. Clearly, he tried to soften the joke and present it in all in good fun and humor. Uh, and it just wasn't received that way. But, you know, we have no control over how people receive what we say. That, that's that's the thing I can only control what I say and what my intentions are but how you receive it even if you're completely wrong and you receive it as an attack and you you make no distinction you're not able to make any distinction between what you feel just feel is an attack and what is actually a physical attack, you can't make that distinction. Do you see why that's dangerous? This is that dangerous scenario playing out. So the people who are going to his defense and saying, oh, I'd do the same thing and everything, they've just been inflamed to expose themselves as the unhealthy, abusive people that they are. My daughter's six. If somebody said terrible things to her or about her, I, that would make me angry. And I'd consider lots of different options. I guarantee you that not one of those options would involve a physical, violent response. Do you know why? Because only a physical act can justify a physical response. Only unhealthy people have trouble understanding this. Is the fact that Will Smith is unable to tell the difference between the untangible or not untangible, but the intangible world of feelings and the physical world an excuse for anything? No, it's not an excuse for anything at all. In fact, it's absolutely astonishing to me to realize that Will Smith, with all his fame and all the business interactions that he clearly has to be engaged in all the time, his celebrity status all the personal interactions that that has required, 
has surely required over the past, what, 30 years? It astonishes me that he's managed to get by this long without suffering enough consequences to have these erroneous perspectives, these fundamental perspectives challenged sufficiently. The only thing it can mean is that he's created a really, really thick shield of enablers around himself. It just makes him that much more pathetic. It really does. Anybody who insightfully understands the fundamental issues at play here, how pathetic it all is, is just unbelievable. I'm telling you, he went from the heights of goodwill, people giving him goodwill, to the depths of just, uh, he's despicable. He's, until he fixes this, he's despicable. So now you know why only unhealthy people are defending Will Smith, because they themselves are also unhealthy. They, they're unhealthy. They live with distorted, on a distorted false belief system that says that if somebody makes you feel attacked, then for all intents and purposes, you were attacked physically, and therefore you're justified to physically hurt that person. It's incredible. They really don't, don't comprehend that there is a fundamental difference between what they feel inside of themselves and something physically happening to them out in the real world. There's another fundamental feature that distinguishes emotionally unhealthy people from healthy people that we have to talk about. Emotionally unhealthy people are ignorant to the fact that other people can't make them, quote unquote, feel things. Did you know that? Other people can't make you, quote unquote, feel things. We use that terminology in speech, but it re- it's a false representation of what is really happening. In other words, there is no such things as triggers. Will Smith was not triggered. If there's no such thing as triggers, what's the healthy truth? The healthy truth is that we, individually, use things to make ourselves feel things. Get that? Nobody else makes us feel something. We take things and we make ourselves feel things. So who's responsible for what we feel? We are. Not somebody else. So only we can make ourselves feel whatever it is we feel. We're self-contained machines. Right? This means that everything we feel, who's generating that? Who is generating the things that you feel? You are. Not Chris Rock. Nobody can generate our feelings for us. In other words, what is truly happening is that I'm observing a thing, or I'm hearing a thing. I take that inside myself, and I use that thing to make myself feel things. But nobody outside of me has some kind of magical lever that they can just pull and crank on to make me feel things. Nobody can make me, quote-unquote, angry. They can try, but only I can take things inside of myself, use it to make myself upset. But I can take those things, I can take those same things 
and use it in other ways. I can use it to reflect. I can use it to make a decision to get out of there. I can make uh, I can I can take it and I can analyze it and use it to try to understand the per- where that you know the person's background. Why would they say such a terrible thing? I can take it as I do often nowadays and use it to analyze what so the person who just said this you know what could be interpreted as a terrible thing to me what does this reflect about their underlying attitudes you see nobody can make me mad I take the thing I get to choose what to do with it does Will Smith know this no Will Smith doesn't know this again Will Smith has exposed himself as the big ignorant fool that he is about really fundamental realities involving the nature of things like feelings. So from his point of view, because he doesn't understand that other people can't make him feel things, from his point of view, when Chris Rock told his joke, from Will Smith's point of view, he's twice justified to walk up and physically strike Chris Rock. Because why? Because, number one, Will Smith can't distinguish between physical reality and his intangible feelings. So if he feels he's being attacked, he is being physically attacked. From his perspective, he's not really, but that's he he ma- he makes no distinction. And number two, what he's feeling is Chris Rock's fault in the first place. Do you see that? Chris Rock is doing this to him. You see, Will Smith is not responsible for his own feelings. Oh no, everybody else, everything else, is responsible for Will Smith's feelings. It's absolutely astonishing. It's like Will Smith is two years old and needs mommy to explain to him the very fundamentals of feelings. Honestly, that's what it is. So Will Smith is given the acceptance speech for his award. He gets all emotional, starts crying, tears streaming down his face for pity. He goes through the, through the whole abusive person playbook. I kid you not. Goes through the whole abusive person playbook trying to paint himself as noble even heroic and a loving victim I'm serious he doesn't miss a beat he goes right into it love will make you do crazy things he says at one point this is manipulation it's unhealthy manipulation he's slyly trying to make you translate this inexcusable thing that he has done through a noble sympathetic even heroic filter he did it for love well I'm here to tell you that Will Smith doesn't know what love is he may feel things powerfully but based on the underlying attitudes we already know he lives with without a shred of uncertainty whatsoever I can tell you that those underlying foundation attitudes that can only explain this type of behavior and authentic love are not at all compatible so the idea that Will Smith is able to experience real love for other people is impossible 
he isn't currently able to experience it for himself which means he's never experienced it for himself which means he can't experience it for other people most probably Will Smith exists in a reality where everybody and everything are accessories to his life but he does not view people as individuals in a healthy way that's another thing that contributes to his ability to just walk up and slap other adult individuals he doesn't view them as individuals he does not view people as people so think about that if you don't view other people as people you're the only person in in reality all everybody else are just these pieces they're these like game pieces I mean, you have no qualms whatsoever about having the right to to physically assault another person, another adult free agent. Will Smith doesn't view people as people. He views them as things, as suppliers or deniers of his own desires. See, there's something I'm not telling you about all this. It's this. The, the reason why I'm so disgusted about Will Smith is because when I watch him commit that physical assault and battery and I watch his body language and I interpret that smug arrogance and the complete and utter lack of accountability him playing the whole thing in a way to paint himself as the noble misunderstood hero it perfectly brings to mind my own father Will Smith and my own father live with the same underlying attitudes how do I know the law of genuine attitude reflection it never lies and I would say that I'm not the only one here now making that connection I'd bet a million dollars of somebody else's money let's say Will Smith's money that any of you listening who were raised with an abusive narcissistic parent but who escaped those attitudes later in your own life I would bet a million dollars of Will Smith's money that you see your abusive parent in Will Smith too do you remember how your parent used to grab you and manhandle you and put his or her hands upon you as if you had no right to your own physical body it wasn't yours was it it didn't belong to you because you're not a real person you're just this thing that they have a right to abuse and mistreat however they want right you're a piece of property inanimate property you only exist your only value is for what you bring to their lives Do you remember how you felt each time after an experience like that? How you felt worthless and shameful and violated? Chris Rock was violated by by a, a currently worthless individual living with these same sorts of sick attitudes. You weren't a real person to them. This is the true underlying attitude that gives birth to this sort of treatment of others. You see, if you view and respect people as individuals, as people, 
and they're not just suppliers or deniers in your life you you truly value them as people never would you do that never would you do that so it's sickening it's really sickening this this whole Will Smith thing it's really disturbing he he's crossed a line that can never be fixed uh, it's just terrible the, the millions of people who look at him as some kind of role model and everything I mean he is really the you know the world was already society was already declining um, but Will Smith in that single act just sped it up he just it was like a light jump in a in a spaceship he just leapt forward like light years uh, sped it all up I, I promise you this was not just a this cult this um, meaningless cultural moment no he he has sped up the decline of society and people's attitudes people's unhealthy attitudes you can already see the unhealthy people using him to condone and excuse their own unhealthy attitudes that that they share with Will Smith so you weren't a real person to your parents they weren't responsible for uh, how you made them feel and so they weren't responsible for their subsequent actions they were justified to lay their hands upon your body and mistreat it any way they wanted to because they were justified they were justified you made them feel a thing right there's no difference between what you feel and physical actions taking place in the real world and you're not an individual you're a possession or an inanimate thing and your only value is what you bring to their lives or don't bring to it these are all um, things being reflected in the actions of Will Smith over the weekend this really was the underlying attitudes that your abusive parents lived with that allowed them to treat you in those ways and it really is the underlying attitude that Will Smith the once admired actor lives with with his smug face sauntering back to his seat that he's entitled to and it's really the underlying attitudes that those now defending Will Smith live with that allow them to look at something that is so far removed from emotional health and harmony with life and to make excuses for it I'm telling you there are thousands if not millions of people out there living with these completely false and unhealthy understandings about feelings and self and when I'm talking about self I'm talking about people I'm talking about how you view what it what it means to be an individual and the dignity and the rights and the response and the uh, respect that inherently must come with that and they're all out there splashing around together in this toxic pool of disgusting harmful dangerous distorted thinking and perspectives during his acceptance speech Will Smith apologized to the Academy he didn't apologize to Chris Rock but to the Academy why you suppose that is well because he just won an award he just won a, a very coveted award and he's feeling grateful but he's not sorry he still believes at this point that he's entirely justified so he doesn't apologize to Chris Rock 
Plus, he has an entire auditorium of Hollywood's elite, unhealthy elite, standing there giving him a standing ovation, enabling him. That's what these types of people are called. They are enablers. I saw an interview with Jim Carrey who pulled no punches, and I have to say, it seems that Jim Carrey has done some really good work on himself lately because he nailed it. He said he was also disgusted by Will Smith and disgusted by every one of those people in that auditorium who applauded and stood. The person interviewing Jim Carrey tried to soften and make excuses for Will Smith and place part of the blame on Chris Rock. So in a single interview, we get to see who is healthy and who is not. I never thought I'd say that Jim Carrey is healthier <laughs> than somebody else, but he, like I say, Jim Carrey has clearly done some real soul-searching soul on himself, and he has improved and greatly grown greatly healthier as a person because uh, he knew exactly what was going on there. Remember, to say that a thing is inexcusable means that there's no excuse in the world that makes it okay. So the unhealthy people who want to go into Will Smith's reasons, you don't have to hear the reasons. You don't have to sit and listen to somebody's reasons to, to uh, decide whether or not what uh, Will Smith did was acceptable or not. It was unacceptable. It was inexcusable. There, there are no reasons that excuse it. So all you have to know is that a person is going into uh, defense mode for Will Smith. That's all you have to know to know that they themselves are unhealthy. Because they're, they're going, they're creating a defense for something that is inexcusable. There's no excuse in the world that makes it excusable. So why waste your time listening to their reasons? There are reasons. Sure, there are reasons. There are no excuses. Why was it inexcusable? Because nobody has a right to physically lay, to physically lay their hands on any other person unless it is in physical self-defense. We've already talked about why unhealthy people don't understand this. They equate intangible feelings with physical reality. And that's not the real nature of feelings. It's not the real nature of life. If somebody is verbally assaulting you, do you know what a healthy, balanced, justified response is? To verbally respond. Because feelings and the physical world, physical reality, are not the same thing. That's it. You can verbally respond to a verbal offense. A legal response would work too, but again, that falls into a verbal response, not a physical response. It doesn't matter if you feel that somebody is verbally abusing your wife in front of you. Yell at them, scream at them, come up with your own insults, ask them to stop, leave, sue them. These are your justified options. I'm not saying they're all the most constructive options. I'm just saying that they're justified and understandable and harmonious with life. But a physical response to a purely emotional feeling is not justified. It's not balanced. It's not in harmony with life. 
they're not doing anything to you, you see. Just because you perceive that somebody is making you, quote-unquote, feel something, just because you perceive it that way, that's not what's happening. Nobody is doing anything to you. When somebody says something to you, they're not doing anything to you. For me to do something to you would require some kind of physical interaction. So, a physical response to a purely emotional feeling is not healthy. It's not in harmony with life. It's not in harmony with the natural order of things, the way things are in balance and work in the universe. Nobody else is responsible for your feelings and nobody else can reach inside of you and make you feel things. You're doing it to yourself whether you want to accept that or not, whether you understand it yet or not. You're taking it in and you're using it to make yourself angry. So if you want to be mad at somebody for making you angry, that's one of those times where you need to point the finger at yourself. You're making yourself angry. It's not magic that some people can watch their wife be verbally insulted and just walk away and just take their wife by the hand and say, honey, let's, let's go to the next restaurant. It's not magic. And it's not that they're cowards. It's that they realize the truth. Nobody that, first of all, <laughs> what you feel does not determine reality. And only we can reflect truths about ourselves. You know, another person cannot, for by their behavior and the things they say, cannot reflect truths about us. Only we can. But you notice that uh, people tend to be the most sensitive to words that strike upon things they're already insecure about. Have you noticed that? They're already insecure about it, or they already believe it to be true, but they wish it weren't true. That is what happened to Will Smith. Part, partly, partly, that his wife already has a reputation. And so he took, he took the joke and he used it to confirm an already painful truth that he, and I'm not saying it is true, I'm saying it's a truth that he already is convinced of, but it, it struck a nerve. I'll tell you what, as disgusted as I've been over this whole Will Smith thing, the absolute embarrassment and disgust of the Will Smith Oscars program itself, as well as the shockwaves that it has produced, it's been a real feast for somebody like me, who's in the business of observing and analyzing and explaining emotional health and emotional unhealth. So this may seem out of place, but I didn't want to wrap up this week's episode of the show without finding a place to fit it into the program. I want to talk about the cognitive dissonance of certain of a certain subcategory of Will Smith fans. We've talked about cognitive dissonance several times here on the show, but I rarely get such a real-life current example to actually highlight and use to demonstrate how cognitive dissonance works. Shortly after the Will Smith fiasco, I went online to see what the world was saying about it. 
you might be relieved to know that by far it seemed that the vast majority of people were in outright shock and disgust with Will Smith making no excuses for him whatsoever so that was promising from my perspective because you know it saddens me anytime that I see people living with unhealthy abusive attitudes outnumbering seemingly people with healthy underlying attitudes now this ratio might have changed in the last few days I don't know but uh, and it, that wouldn't surprise me but at least at the time the healthy people and their disgust with this whole thing vastly outnumbered the unhealthy people but even then I took note of that there was a special category of people who were accusing the criticisms of Will Smith as being racially motivated so the argument went something like this do you notice a pattern that everybody who's saying Will Smith should be arrested is white <clears throat> now back to cognitive dissonance what is it it's a psychological phenomenon that all people are prone to both healthy and unhealthy alike but unhealthy people are much more susceptible to it why because they have no accurate healthy concept of feelings and emotions to begin with and so they couldn't be very self-aware even if they wanted to be Cognitive dissonance is when we first allow our feelings to determine the reality of any given thing. Why is this a problem? It's a problem because feelings were never de designed to determine reality. The reality of any given thing just is what it is, no matter how you feel about it. Alright, so you might have noticed that I use you folks who are uh, watching this had to take a break away <laughs> put on a sweater I was starting to get pretty nippy it's uh, pretty airy outside so back to the discussion we're wrapping up here but <clears throat> we're talking about cognitive dissonance it's a psychological phenomenon we're all prone to blah 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 uh, it's when we first allow our feelings to determine reality for us all these people are racist when, when such an assertion is made if you're healthy, it's natural and logical to say, well, is that true? Yeah. Are the majority of white people racist? Now, what did I do when I read that? Well, I'm white. So the first thing I did was start looking down the, the message threads. I wanted to see if the, the facts supported this. So that's the next step. You make an analysis. You, you look at the facts, the information the, that is before you. Healthy people who are not under the control of cognitive dissonance, what do they do? Th these are people who are not under the control of cognitive dissonance. They look at the facts, and they use the facts to help them reach the obvious conclusion. So when you have a, an expectation, let's say that you have a suspicion of something, you say, well, based on my suspicion, here is what I would naturally expect to see if my if my suspicion is true and it's going to hold up this is these are the things that i would expect to see right so you look at the facts you look to see if the facts support that 
What happens when a healthy person who is not, not, again, under the influence of cognitive dissonance, analyzes the information and sees that the, the information is co- contrary to the thing that they initially believed? Well, the healthy person takes the new information and they say, oh, well, that, I wasn't expecting that. I reckon I'm going to have to entirely change my conclusions. The new information causes them to completely toss out old beliefs and embrace new beliefs. They adjust their, their conclusions to match the evidence, the information that they have now observed. That's not what people who are experiencing cognitive dissonance do. What do people who are experiencing cognitive dissonance do? Does new contradictory information cause them to make adjustments to the conclusions that they've drawn? Not even a little bit. Because, see, they're not determining reality based on reality or facts or information. That's not how they've drawn their conclusion. Do you remember how they drew their conclusion? By what they feel. They felt a thing, which can come about by fear, by the way. You can just fear a thing and say, well, then it's true. Because I fear it, it's true. So your feelings are dictating reality for you. They're determining reality based on what they feel. And they haven't stopped feeling the stuff that that uh, they felt that brought them to their conclusion in the first place. So when they get this new information that does not at all point to or support the conclusions that they have arrived at based on their feelings, it doesn't matter because they still feel what they feel. That's what I'm talking about. They're determining reality based on what they feel. The the informa- They're not using information to arrive at that conclusion. It's just what they feel. And so they say, I feel this way. I feel that most white people are racist, so they are. What happens then if they get contradictory information, like flat-out contradictory information? Well, then they do something completely nuts. They take, the unfirm- they, they take this information that is unquestionably pointing in a direction that their feelings disagree with. In other words, their feelings say, no, I- white people are racist. Most white people are racist. I feel it. That's how I feel. So I just know it's true. But they get information that unquestionably points in the opposite direction. And they come up with explanations for why that information has in no way any effect whatsoever on what they already feel, what they want to believe, but is obviously not true at all. So this is what I observed in real time the other night with this Will Smith these Will Smith uh, sympathizers who uh, believe the outrage over Will Smith's violent criminal physical assault can only be explained by racism. People aren't just upset by uh, an injustice that one person committed against another person. Nope. It's racism. The only reason according to them that so many people were horrified and upset by Will Smith's actions is that we're all racist 
Now, let me tell you why this is such a perfect example of pure cognitive dissonance. They want to believe that. Their feelings... that. They're, they're determining reality based on their feelings, and they want to believe that. They want to believe that the majority of white people, that, that that's what's fueling this, this outrage. So, number one, why this is cognitive dissonance. As I was going through the message threads that the same Will Smith sympathizers were commenting on, so in other words, the this is the same message thread that they're commenting on, these people who say that, it's just a racist thing. I just browsed through, and you know what I saw? I saw as many people, if not more, people of color express an outrage as I counted white people express an outrage. So, do you see the cognitive dissonance? Any rational person would look, any person who d- does not determine reality based on their feelings would look at that and go, well, that's not what you'd expect to see. If this were racially motivated, you'd ex- expect to see lots of white people complaining about this and no people of color. That's just naturally what you would see. But the people who are determining reality based on their feelings, they browse through the thing, they see that just as many people of color are upset by this as as white people, and it does not affect their conclusion whatsoever. Isn't that crazy? They they still stick to their to their conclusion that the evidence does not support that this is racially motivated. Number two, probably the most incredible piece of this to prove cognitive dissonance who did Will Smith slap the comedian that Will Smith assaulted Chris Rock is also black so one black man struck another black man does this I can understand a person saying, oh, this is white people are racist, racist, and that's why they're upset. If Will Smith, a black man, had struck a white comedian, but that's not what happened. Will Smith is black, and Chris Rock is black. Does this information cause these people to, you know, reevaluate the conclusions they've come to? Not at all. Number three, I didn't see a single comment anywhere that made even a sly hint about anybody's race except except for those people who are arguing uh, that uh, it's all uh, the outrage is is fueled by racism those are the only people I even saw talking about race in any at any level whatsoever and number four the day after uh, black celebrities everywhere were decrying the absolute uh, atrocity uh, that Will Smith had, had committed. So you see that a person who is not experiencing cognitive dissonance is able to say, if my suspicions are such and such, 
I should be able to look at the facts, the information that's available, and see this and this and this. You say, based on my suspicions, I should be able to look out and see this and this and this. If they look and don't see the things that their suspicions would necessitate in order for it to be valid, they go, oh, well, I guess my suspicions were completely wrong. The details or facts or information that I would naturally expect to see supporting my suspicions are not there. Therefore, I have to make adjustments to my conclusions. But the person who is experiencing cognitive dissonance does not do that. They reach a conclusion based on what they feel. Then they don't even bother looking for any information in any emotionally neutral or honest way. Their feelings have already told them that a thing is so. And they want to believe it, and so they believe it. If they're forced to look at information that contradicts what they already believe and what they want to believe, uh, they, what they'll do is they'll selectively handpick that information. So they will go through 30, 30 articles, 30 comments, 30 things that completely contradict what they want to believe, and they will focus on and highlight and emphasize the one thing that does seem to support their emotional conclusion. If they're pressed to admit that a piece of contradictory information is in fact undeniable, does this cause them to change their mind? Nope. Do they relent and allow their conclusions to evolve or change to match the obvious evidence? Nope. Remember, the feelings are in control here, not critical, honest thinking. They'll take that information that is undeniable and they will warp reality around it to try to reconcile the two things. Yes, to reconcile two completely incompatible things. In other words, one thing that says the exact opposite of what they want to believe, they will try to reconcile that with the thing that it completely discredits. It's an incredible psychological thing to behold. So how do you have a fair conversation with somebody who's experiencing cognitive dissonance? You don't. You don't. You do what I do. You, you don't waste your time with that. You move on. There's absolutely no reason to get into a conversation with somebody experiencing cognitive dissonance. You cannot reason with people who are emotionally dishonest with themselves. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, energy, and attention. Don't even try. As soon as you realize that a person is operating within cognitive dissonance, end the conversation and leave. There might be another time when they're more receptive or you know things change and they, they become more emotionally honest with themselves. But until that happens, it's, it's a waste of time to try. You know, doing a cost-benefit analysis in such a scenario, what you, what you see, believe me, is that it's all cost and no benefit. Incidentally, do you know what these same people who are experiencing racist cognitive dissonance would have said if a majority of people would have happened to have taken Will Smith's side instead of the comedian's side, Chris Rock? 
do you know what do you know what they would have said they would have simply pointed at chris rock and said look the only pe- the only reason all these people are taking will smith's side is because he struck another black man if it had been a white man yada 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 do you see how this is what i'm talking about when when people are suffering from cognitive dissonance you cannot reason with them they will take any information and they will simply bend what they believe they they will struggle struggle and fight to bend that to somehow seem to um, be compatible with with whatever the information is it's all based on what they feel so Will Smith's an unhappy person he's uh, an unhappy person pretending to be happy you know you see him smiling you see him all happy and charming and everything it's all fake he's not happy he's miserable and um, what we saw at the Oscars is just a it's just that coming out he's just been very good up till now of pretending to be happy how about Will Smith's uh, apology I think it was the next day or two days later he um, on social media uh, you know, quote unquote apologized to Chris Rock he can't possibly comprehend what he's supposed to be apologizing for go back and listen to the episode where I talk about the apology process a person who commits a real crime like this, a real offense like this, before they can apologize, they have to know what they're apologizing for, otherwise the apology is worthless. And is Will Smith just apologizing for the physical act of hitting a person? No, that that is not a sufficient apology. What Will Smith needs to apologize for are the attitudes that he lives with that allowed him to do that at all. Until he can apologize for that and understand that that is what he's apologizing for and why it is necessary for him to apologize for that, his apologies are worthless. We're talking about attitudes that he has lived with for his entire life. His entire life. And I don't know how old he is. I know he's older than me. I'm 46. So, you know, he's got to be in his 50s. And... The idea that he did this, two days pass, and he understands the subtleties and the nuances of what it is that he's apologizing for, is absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It's insincere. It's strategic. It's self-interested. In other words, it's he. It's strategic in that he thinks it's what people want to hear, and so he's that's what he's offering. But but he cannot feel remorse true remorse for a thing he can't even understand or see right he needs to do the work to understand exactly the nuances the attitudes that he lives with that allowed him to do that at all for for any apology of his to have to carry any weight whatsoever by the way after his apology so he made two apologies he made an apology to the academy then he made an apology a couple days later to chris rock on social media how do we know that his apology the night of his acceptance speech was totally worthless it meant nothing it meant nothing 
How do we know? He went and partied all night long with his award, happy, dancing, big smile on his face, playing the same old game. Is that what you would see from a person who truly understood the gravity of what they had done that night? Is that what you would see? So how much value does that apology have? It has no value. When I ask you if that's what you would see, naturally see, from a person who truly begins to comprehend the enormity of their offense and to feel genuine remorse for it, would you see them going and partying the night away? Posting things on social media, telling jokes on Instagram. Would, is that what you would see? For a person who had committed an offense this grave, this... I don't know how to say it. It's definitive. I mean, it, it has changed. It has changed society. And that is not an exaggeration. He overstepped a line that nobody has overstepped since movies were invented since celebrity was invented and now he's crossed that line and it's just now it's that line is crossed it's like the floodgates have been broken open you're going to see more of that in the future for sure it's a big deal he clearly doesn't understand it listen gotta go we've gone way way over time but uh, I want to tell you about thelastsymptom.com that's my website full of free and paid resources schedule an appointment with me we can talk about some of these things together one on one um, I want to tell you next Thursday I plan on taking the not, I'm not taking the week off I'm going to be doing work but I'm trying to catch up to other aspects of my work with the last symptom so I'm going to take uh, a week off from this show so there will not be a new show on Thursday I hope that you will accept this extra long show in its place um, also uh, there's plenty of orange slices those condensed video uh, insights so you don't need to wait till Thursday these publish almost every day you can uh, watch them on our group over at locals the lastsymptom.locals.com you can watch them on YouTube so be sure to su- subscribe to the YouTube channel and also um, on Rumble uh, which is getting better and better every day so subscribe to those channels enjoy the daily orange slices and other content on locals and uh i will see you folks in not next thursday but the following thursday so i appreciate you letting me have a a week off from this show uh, very much i hope that you enjoy this show and that you gain a lot of insights from it i'll tell you what it could go on for four hours it could go on for four hours easy Uh, I had a hard time condensing this information into this show, so it tells you just how many thoughts I had related to it, and I I still didn't get to cover all the stuff I wanted to cover. You folks, uh, take care of yourselves. Do something nice for yourselves. I'll talk talk to you very soon, a couple weeks, uh, right here on the Last Symptom Podcast. (music) 